Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I just wanted to welcome you a second time. We have a guest speaker this morning. We have had, for several weeks now, we've had some wonderful speakers. Uh, today's no exception. And most of you know Jay Jarman, Jay and Yuko, and uh, they've been with our church for many years now. But some of you don't. And so I just wanted to share a little bit of the background uh, that our church and uh, that I personally have had with Jay. Met him probably 1982-1983, and uh, we were just getting ready to plant a church out of this church into East Honolulu, and so uh, Jay became my mentor for that, because he had planted a church up in Mililani, a network of house churches, and that became our model. So we became good friends, and through the years, um, we were separated in different ways at different times, but then he came back to Kaimaki Christian and went on staff as an associate um, early 90s probably and uh, he said that as outreach director he wanted to put the out back into outreach is that mine? no okay hopefully not <laughs> and, um, and so he said we need to get out into the community and meet people and share the Lord with them and so he's really been a catalyst to this day for that in fact uh, anyway uh, he'd say next week Bring a mother, even if it isn't your own, okay? If you're not able to bring your mother, bring a mother, okay? Uh, well, then he left staff because we launched him into a ministry God had given him a vision for called Common Grace. And Common Grace, the endeavor was to link uh, churches with public schools and to train volunteers in our, in our churches to go into the school and spend an hour a week with a kid in the public school. And uh, there have been, you know, it's fluctuated, but there are presently about 25 church-school relationships, partnerships. Thousands of kids have been touched by the lives of volunteers coming in from those churches just to be a friend to them. A couple years ago, uh, Aries Jackson uh, has joined the staff, and I think Aries is in this service. There she is. And so now she's become a co-director with Jay. Jay's getting to be an old guy, you know. And... Uh, and so they have now developed what they call Youth Grace, where they go into high schools and uh, the counselor sets aside just excellent uh, candidates and they train these high school students to go into the elementary schools and mentor these kids and just be a friend of these. And you can imagine how the elementary kids look up to them. It's been so successful. But God just blessed uh, Jay and he's blessed Yuko and he's blessed our church uh, in our lives personally through his ministry through the years. And I'm just grateful for him. So welcome him to our pulpit today. He's, he's right about getting older. And, um, but, and yet I have to remind you all that I'm with Dizzy Dean, the famous pitcher who said, we can't help getting old, but we can stay immature forever. <laughs> So we have a real good word from God this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Just, uh, Lord, as we just sang, pierce through the darkness in our environment, in our life's experiences, in our memories, in our hearts and minds. Shine a light this morning uh, from your word and, and change us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have an exciting 
part of the Bible to look at. It's the seventh chapter of the book of Luke, and we've written it out so that everybody can follow along. Um, it's dramatic, it's instructive, it's important, and it's life-changing. Let's get right into it. Please follow along as I read. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, and he had just finished the most important speech ever given in the whole history of the world. It was the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. You heard part of it from Murray two weeks ago and from Kainoa last week. It's the core of his teaching. And when he had finished saying this to people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Again, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, a hundred of them. That's why they call him a centurion. I tell this soldier, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Some translations read impressed. Jesus was impressed At this man's faith, we should pay attention. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house, and what? They found the servant was well. There are four things about this centurion that I'd like to talk about. First in your outline is that He was a leader. He was alpha. Write that down. And please listen to the way William Barclay describes first century centurions in his commentary. This is Barclay. I'm just quoting. The central character in this story is a Roman centurion. And no centurion was an ordinary man. A centurion was the equivalent of a company sergeant major, and the centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. Polybius, the historian, describes the qualifications of centurions. They must be men who can command, steady in action, and reliable. They ought not be over-anxious to rush into the fight, but when hard-pressed, They must be ready to hold their ground 
and die at their posts. He was a formidable man and a proven leader. Line B says, I want to share with you that obviously he lived above his culture because the Jews said he loves our nation. He built our synagogue out of, out of his own pocket, probably. Wow. Jews have been put down in every culture, in every generation since the time of Abraham. Jews have been treated like social pariahs and hated and massacred. Here was a Roman in a, in a position of authority who loved the Jewish community and who sacrificed for them. That's pretty amazing that he lived above the racial divide. And then there's the class thing. Obviously, he loved this slave, loved him. And the two Greek words that are used for slave are doulos, which means a, a common servant or a slave or a bond slave, and the word pious, which means son or child. When the Jews are approaching Jesus, talking about the slave being sick, they use the common word. But when the centurion says that I didn't deserve to get your help with my child, my son. This is um, an incredible thing that he helped the Jews and he cared about his slave. Line C, this man was unworthy in his own eyes. Un he considered himself unworthy and undeserving of asking any favor from someone so great as Jesus. Well, he was a big man in the community. But he knew something about this Jesus. What, what had he heard? That he can heal the sick, that he can raise the dead, that he can walk on water. And as a Roman, what must he thought? Maybe the great god Jupiter, Jupiter Optimus Magnumus had descended to earth. But someone much greater than Jupiter was here. Jupiter threw lightning bolts, right? Suppose, supposedly. Jesus makes lightning bolts. Um, and this uh, centurion was quite impressed and quite admiring of Jesus. While from everything I heard, he's the one who can heal my child, my, my slave. And, and then I'm unworthy to ask this favor. You don't even need to come here personally. Just say the word and my child will be healed. Incredible faith and amazing uh, sense of self. You want to impress Jesus with your faith? Well, please have a very high opinion of God and a very low opinion of ourselves. Trust God and not our, ourselves. So the last line is, uh, of course, he was amazingly 
amazingly full of faith. He recognized the supremacy of Jesus. Now I want to turn to the slave because this is interesting. Uh, Probably a bond slave, I want to tell you what that means. It means that the slave was voluntarily bonded to his master. If you had a slave in the first century and wanted to set him or her free, uh, you could do that, but then it was up to the slave to grab that freedom and run with it or to turn around and say, thank you for my freedom, but I want to stay with you and become your bond slave. There was a ceremony that's outlined for us in the book of Exodus. You could go to the town square, put your head up against the side of a wooden pillar, stretch out your earlobe, and let somebody take a leatherworking awl and bore a big hole in your earlobe to show for everyone for the rest of your life that you belong to somebody and that you are a bond slave. I wish that's what it meant when I see young people today walking down the street, not not with that needle prick, you know, uh, pierced earrings kind of thing, but those big gauges that they wear in their ear, it's it's amazing to me, and go from small to medium to large size, and I I don't know what they're signaling about their life, but if, if you saw that in the first century, you would know this man belongs to somebody. This man has voluntarily placed himself under the authority of his loving master and loves his master in return. I want to show you this little picture that I got from a children's book this last week. And it goes with this this narrative. There's a story from the American Civil War of a northerner who bought a young slave girl at a slave auction. As they left the auction, the man turned to the girl and said, you're free. She turned to him in amazement. You you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he said. And to say whatever I want to say? Yes, anything. And to be whatever I want to be? Yes. And even to go wherever I want to go? Yes, he laughed. You're free to go wherever you like. She looked at him intently and replied, then I will go with you. And isn't that a perfect picture? That, as the Apostle Paul says, Christ has set us free. In, in Christ, we have our free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And then we signal to the world that we, we know what to do with our freedom, and that's to stick close to him. Now, I'm going to interrupt with a beautiful interruption, uh, the flow of my message, because I've asked Yuko to come and and give us uh, an interpretation of a very meaningful song. Uh, It's called Who Am I, recorded by the group Casting Crowns. 
I want to give you permission to feel the force of the emotion of, of this uh, song, and it's two trigger warnings. One is the depictions of Jesus in his suffering will make you flinch and maybe turn your eyes away. Uh, there are some pictures, I'm just warning you, that are kind of bloody what he went through for us on the cross and leading up to the cross. So uh, I just, I'm moved when, when I see depictions of Jesus in pain because I know who caused it. And then the other thing is there's all these pictures of Jesus hugging people, big people, little people, men, women, kids. And I tell you, I'm a man, but some things really make my eyes water. I give you permission to feel the emotions that are in uh, this song and in this dance and to God's glory. Please pray with me. We praise and celebrate you, Jesus, for who you are. And we thank you on our knees for what you have done for us. For us? We are nothing. We're like flowers that quickly fade or waves that get tossed on the ocean. We're just a mist, a vapor in the wind. But you think we're important. And we get the, our very value from you and for your love for us. Thank you so much. Amen. Were you, did you feel it? Did, I do every, every time, and I get to see her practice and think about the gestures and everything during the week, and I know how much prayer she put into, into that. It's not a performance, you get, right? It's not a performance, it's worship, and thank you for allowing us to worship along with you. So I just want to say, with an application, maybe for two groups of people that are here this morning... Maybe uh, all of a sudden you get it. Life is so messed up, and life can be so dark and so hopeless. But this God came to earth in order to relate to us, to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven, and that we can follow him in this life and live with him in the next. It is amazing. And if there's anybody here, and I'll bet there is, who have heard about Jesus, but you don't know him personally, now's the time, right in the silence of your own mind and heart, just say yes to Jesus. Please forgive me. Please allow me to follow you with the rest of my life. So that, that's some of you, and if it's true for you, Please come up and, and tell us about it afterwards. Go to the corner and tell the people who will pray with you. Come and talk to Yuko or me, Dee or Ron, um, Greg. Anybody who knows Jesus wants to share Jesus with you. Now, for the second group of people who have known Jesus for a while and have been trying, like we all do, to follow him and walk with him and live his way, this thing that the centurion says is very powerful for us. He knows what it is to be an authority. And that's, there's two more lines. There's authority. He is the highest authority. 
The centurion says, I've got a hundred soldiers under me, and when I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. Do this, and they do it. How about us, folks? Last week, we heard Kainoa say, do not judge. Do not command. Uh, do not condemn. You know, that's, Jesus is not giving suggestions. It's a command. It's an order. And uh, we will either disobey or obey what he's telling us. Forgive. Yes, sir. That's an order. If you have something against someone, forgive them. You can't take that one or leave it. If you want to be with Jesus, you need to forgive others. He has forgiven you, right? So as our highest authority, he's, uh, he's the one that we have to salute and obey in all things. And then he's the biggest and best boss. He's the biggest and best boss we've ever had. I want to show you a picture of me at age 15. I was, this is, that's not really me. <laughs> But, but I found it in, in Getty Images. That could have been me because the year was 1959. I was 15 years old. I was working for Mr. James Harris at the Falls Church Esso station in Northern Virginia on the corner of Sleepy Hollow Road and Route 50. It was my first job. He was my first boss. I was a huge disappointment to Mr. Harris. He should have fired me. Over and over again, fired me for the time. I, I was okay, you know, wearing the uniform and looking like a nice... We used to pump gas for the people, you know. It was, wasn't self-serve. But I hadn't been there but a couple of weeks when he asked me to take a tire that had been repaired and put the wheel back on the car. Sure, I did that, but I didn't tighten the lug nuts sufficiently a mile down the road the wheel fell off the car. And our customer was up, a little upset about that. So after towing the car back and doing the job right, Mr. Harris said, boy, I should let you go for that infraction. But I believe in learning from your mistakes. And here's your mistake. Get Clarence to check your work before you send it out onto the road, all right? Let someone with more experience help you do what you're trying to do. Great life lesson. And he kept me on. Thank you, Mr. Harris. But then, about six weeks later, listen to this. A Carmen Ghia pulls in, and I'd never seen one before. We, we had seen the Volkswagen Bugs, but the Carmen Ghia has the engine in the back and all that, you know, I don't know what I'm, I'm just 15 years old. And, and the guy jumps out and he says, son, the engine's in the back. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll come back out and pay my bill. So the guy disappears and I open up the hood in the back. You don't call it a hood, I guess, if it's in the back. I, I open up the lid and pump the gas. But I was so confused because it only took 11 cents worth of gas. <laughs> You're ahead of me, right? <laughs> the dude comes out of the bathroom and he says, what's the damage? And I go, 11 cents? He says, 
No way, my tank was empty. Where did you put that gas? I thought, I, I said earlier it, I, that I pumped it into the radiator, but I found out after the first service that that was an air-cooled engine, so don't, don't correct me on that one. So it must have been opening the, the cap to the oil, where you fill up the oil, maybe, and put the gas in where the oil, that's bad. You can, you can, the engine can blow up for that. So Mr. Harris has to flush the engine and do that and give this guy complimentary gas for the rest of the summer and everything, and then he shakes his head at me, Jay. If you don't know, if you don't know, ask. Yeah, well, those were two minor infractions leading up to the biggie of the summer. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of the early Thunderbirds, the Thunderbird convertible? It was a classic. And I was in awe of this brand new Thunderbird convertible that pulls in, driven by a lovely lady, beautiful, this beautiful girl, driving this beautiful car, I don't know, it just made me nervous. So when I got the gas hose, as I spun around, I must have squeezed it too soon. I didn't exactly fill up the whole convertible with gasoline, but I got it all over her shoulder and all over the leather upholstery. James Harris didn't fire me for that. In fact, he said, I can't fire you now. Because you're going to pay for that dry cleaning. You're going to pay for that reupholstery. You're going to work here until every penny is, is paid. Okay, so actually he's an admirable man, isn't he? To keep a doofus like me on his staff. To be patient. To tell me where I went wrong. To help me learn from my mistakes. He's kind of a hero, a mentor. Well, folks, we're not perfect and we make a lot of mistakes, but Jesus is our boss. Jesus is our boss. And we are not as obedient and compliant as we ought to be. Please, in your heart, if you know Jesus and have been walking with him for a while, please commit yourself once again to doing things his way. When he says go, go. When he says, come, come. When he says, do this, do it. And I want to tell you this morning what, what command I got from Jesus. It's from John chapter 14. If you have your Bible, you can, you can turn to it. Uh, this is the night when Jesus is taken away from his, from his uh, disciples. This was the beginning of the end. Does anybody remember? Oh, I got him. Okay. Uh, Jesus says to these people who will soon panic and be so confused, he tells them this. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We're going through a sad time in our church, and we're worried about your, your cancer, Ron, and, and there are other people in, in the church who are, 
who are sick and suffering. And um, this dark cloud kind of hovers over us because we don't know what's going to happen. But you know, that word from Jesus is the word to us. I command you, don't let your heart be troubled. I order you, trust in God, trust also in me. Do not be troubled, trust. That's an order. And I believe that that's the only way to approach this crisis in the life of our church family. We pray with all passion. Say the word and our pastor will be healed. That's what we're all hoping for and trusting God for. And then we also need to obey the word from Jesus this morning. Don't be troubled. Don't be under the cloud. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. And you know he's going to make things right. That's a good word, isn't it, church family? You know, when I heard Jay say that on Friday night at the service, um, boy, I just uh, felt prompted by the Lord because someone had said to me this past week, well, our church is kind of under a funk, you know, since your diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, and we need to come out from under that. I'm like, what? No, I mean, that wouldn't be what we would want at all, Dee and I. We don't feel that way at all. God's given us such a peace about this, and many of you have situations in your lives right now where you're struggling and dealing with those things, but we trust the Lord. And I, and I said, you know, if you, if you want to honor us, I thought of the words of the Apostle Paul when he spoke to the church in Philippi and he wrote to them from prison and he said, make my joy complete. And we'd say, make our joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And what was that purpose? To know Christ and to make him known. In fact, in that same letter to the church in Philippi, the Apostle Paul said, I want you to know that my circumstances here in prison have turned out for the progress of the gospel. Wow. He said, people in the Praetorian Guard, they all know about it. The soldiers all know about it. And those who are outside of this prison have more boldness to speak the word of the cross, the word of the gospel without fear. Wow. That would be how to honor all of us who are gracious recipients of your prayers. To see you strengthen your faith. Yeah, pray and uh, speak out for the Lord Jesus and just give glory to him. That's what it's all about. It isn't about me. It isn't about any of us. It's about him. And that's really what we heard this morning. And communion brings us right to that central fact of the gospel. As our ushers pass out these emblems that speak of the crux of our faith, the cross, where our sins were paid for by his love and suffering, it also speaks of life, how he's given us life that lasts forever. And so I'm going to ask him to come and distribute the elements and, and encourage you, whichever group you're in, maybe you're in that first group that Jay talked about this morning, this would be a time to just solidify your relationship with Jesus, commit yourself to following him and invite him into your life. They'll follow you from now on for the rest of us to recommit ourselves to following him. If he says to do it, do it, and to be bold in sharing our faith. When everyone's been served, we'll eat and drink together.
because we're the people of God. Lord, it is our great privilege to crown you the Lord of life. You've given us life, meaningful and purposeful life here, life that lasts forever in your presence. We are the grateful recipients of your suffering, your love, and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Crown him with many crowns by saying, yes, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. God bless you all.